under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Gone and done it. Gone and given me a radio show. Is that a clap? Oh, it's gotta be. That horn sound. Young Michael. He's still black. You feel bad for Michael Jackson? About dad treated all their kids? Yeah, I man. Mean, it, it, obviously, it set him up to be incredibly successful, but... That's crazy. You sacrifice some things in life. And it doesn't have to be essentially a situation of abuse like with the Jackson family. But, uh, like, think of a big, great CEO or incredible scientist. And you want to be the, the best ever. Whatever field. You usually have to sacrifice other great things in life to become the best at your field. Yeah. And then sometimes you got guys like Musk who, what they've sacrificed, they're just kind of naturally not good at, like talking to other humans. Right. Like, if you've ever heard him make a speech and talk in front of people, he's incredibly nervous. Yeah. And it's it's kind of staggering. It's like, here's this billionaire with all these crazy ideas that he actually executes and he looks like he's melting yeah, on he's stage. A, like a child, a small kid in yeah. front of like an audience of adults. And Why is his eye twitching like that? I and then also he has trouble with the love life too. And like I know several women are like, Elon, call me. I'll do whatever you want. Like he's hit that status. Yeah. But if, if someone said that to you, if someone was like, I'll do whatever you want if we could be together, wouldn't you kind of be like, okay, that's a red flag? And... Do I know what I want? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I know what I... If, if I had a coin that I had to flip in the air that decided what I want, I know what I want, but I don't think I could vocalize it. Right. And, you know, your first point is a good one. It's like, if it's not a challenge, if it's not a chase, if we don't have time to get to know each other organically, you're just... You're not in love with Elon. You're in love with Tesla. You're in love with SpaceX. <laughs> You're in love... Because yeah, SpaceX. All oh, right, well... Right. Yeah. Who isn't, really? Cigarettes in space? Oh, well, say, you know, it was the good thing we got rid of the oxidizer. Remember yeah. that scene, Thank You for Smoking? Yeah. Or they go to a big film executive. Thank you for smoking, folks, who haven't seen that movie. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Gives you a real insight into the lobbying industry as well. Yeah, it follows Nick Naylor, who is a great name for that guy. Alliterative. Yeah, and uh, he essentially is a lobbyist for Big Tobacco. And it follows all of his escapades, and one is getting tobacco placements in movies. And he meets with a big film executive not like a big troll, Harvey Weinstein, love me, ah! No, he's not like that. It's Rob Lowe, who is just 
always on time, very punctual, his whole day scheduled out. And it's like, imagine Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie floating in zero gravity in space, blowing smoke rings around each other. Post-coitus cigarettes. (laughs) Gosh, the way this world works. Yeah, I know, right? Like manipulating us with, you know, all these social triggers and deep evolutionary triggers. The advertisers know how to get us. They know how to weave up the hype. But the hype around Black Panther. I am here to give a signal boost to that. The hype is deserved. It's real. It lived up to it. My goodness gracious. It was a great movie. I want to give you the floor at first because... Your assessment of Black Panther, we are both are like, it's great. We've got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. But as you're going into the movie, what are your expectations, given all the hype? Well, there's a lot of people here. That was my yeah. That was my observation. We were fortunate enough to get there early, so we're standing sort of... They, they put us in a line out in front of the theater. It was the Big D, the which... The Big D. Really, it shouldn't. I mean, why? Who came up with that name? Yeah. And, and, like, it got through all of those... It got all... It got approved. What? Regardless. Maybe it's because I'm sophomoric in my... In my thinking. But there was a lot of people. We go in the theater. We sit down. Credits. Trailers. Trailers are actually pretty good. You know, we, we didn't do the usual thing where we looked at each other after a movie and be like, ah, oh, that's going to suck. Because it's so crowded in there. I've just... Not to mention, it's it was really loud. I, I'm going to sound like, like a geriatric person, but <laughs> my goodness, it was loud. Yeah. and It's like, shut up, kids. <laughs> no, you're here for your... Co- I want to watch my comic book movie in peace <laughs> like a grown adult. I've been to every single one of them in the theater. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, the movie starts, and right away, it's got a different feel. Kind of like when you go to the Captain America movies, and they almost feel like espionage films that just happen to have superheroes in them. Right. This has a different feel. And I I was reading a lot of complaints about the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, how it's so politically charged. That's just dog whistling. Yeah, I thought I mean, actually it was. It's about politics, but it wasn't that politically charged at all. Yeah, it. In fact, it didn't hit you over the head with it. Right. It's literally just a story about a king who has advisors who are telling him, "This is how we view the world," and the king has to make a choice how he wants to view the world and interact with it. Now, normally, a human interacts with the world as a human being. Mm-hmm. He, as king, interacts with the world as a nation. So he's got to go to the UN and things like that. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't politically charged. It it had some some poignant moments, like at the very end when mm. they were in Cali and that kid looked up at him. He mm. said, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh man, that's that's a Spider Man moment right there." Exactly. It was it was really good, and they they just the visual effects and the tone of the visuals is this concept called Afrofuturism, hmm. which in my life I have never seen explored on the big screen. And it was so cool. It was very cool. The 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 color palette, if you will. God, that sounds so artsy and like yeah. stuck up. But the, All the colors up there on that done dig gum screen. <laughs> right. The, 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 <laughs> the tone of the colors and their warmth and yeah. coolness at different times, it was fantastic. And there's this guy, Mbaku, little hammer thing that he had, I want that. Yeah, you want, want the hammer that. thing? Oh, yeah. 
What I also have to say, I hope I'm not revealing my hand too much here, but um, seeing all the sisters, like the king's actual <laughs> sisters, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean sisters. I meant like seeing like all the powerful women in this movie, powerful black women. I kind of want to have chocolate babies. That's not really a rule, but that was what I took home. It was like, they are empowered and awesome. Lupita Nyong'o is stunning. Yes. Incredible, like... Sometimes I was having a hard time seeing what she was saying because I was so busy staring at her lips being like, wow. You know, just normal guy stuff. No, being being, like, wow, she has really nice lips. But everybody was like, the acting was never on the nose. It was... right. You'd think in this fictional world of Wakanda, this incredibly advanced African nation that is secret from the rest of the world, that it it might be like, how are we going to find the human element in this story if we get tied up too much in the technology and the geopolitics? But that's where uh, the director, Ryan Coogler, nailed it. The story at the end of the day is about each character's arc and their own personal journey. Um, which I thought was remarkable. Especially, and this is something that's kind of rare with the villains in the Marvel Universe. He was awesome. Mm. Killmonger? Michael B. Jordan is Killmonger, yes. He it was actually, I don't want to say likable, because there's not really a whole no. lot likable about that. He's the villain. But his story itself is sad. And you can see how it would lead him to mm-hmm. earn the nickname Killmonger. Well, when... I heard somebody review the movie and they put it really well. It's like the best movies and Marvel movies at that are when the good guy has flaws and when the bad guy is evil, but you understand why they are bad and evil. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this movie pulled off. Mm-hmm. That I I was blown away. I really was blown away. It When I got out of the movie, I was talking to a buddy... Kyle, that just yeah. uh, he he went an hour earlier, and he's an hour ahead of us in yeah. DC. And he was like, "What do you think?" I was like, "It's in the top three of Marvel movies. Top is, three. Uh, what are what is that top three at this point for you? Top three at this point? Yeah, Marvel. Well, Captain America: Winter Soldier is untouchable. Yeah. Nothing has come close to how much I like that movie. Remarkable movie with Marvel stuff. Thor: Ragnarok is second. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because it's hysterical. It's, it's really good, yeah. And then Black Panther. And then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2, followed by Ant-Man. And not ironically, but rather mystically, Doctor Strange. See, I'm putting, Doctor Strange moves up and down the list. I'm putting it's Iron fluid. Man way ahead of Ant-Man and Doctor One, Strange. One, two, or three? One. Okay. Because Iron Man 1, directed by Favreau and Robert Downey, they kill it. Yeah. Like, if you look at Doctor Strange, you look at Ant-Man, and amazingly, Black Panther didn't fall into this. That's why I think it's so good. Is like the story structure of Iron Man 1 is the story structure of Doctor Strange. It's like Iron Man, but with magic. Yeah, right. It's hard to do an origin story that's right. kind of unique. And he had the benefit of not needing an origin story since he was in Civil War. This is Black Panther we're talking yeah. about here. But see, for me, the end of Iron Man 1 was just... It was lame. Now, kind I, of like the end of Wonder Woman. It was hmm. lame. Now, I have to... Uh, but they were great. Uh, and one, I don't want to give it away uh, too much, but I was listening to 
an interview of Chadwick Boseman this morning, mm-hmm. the guy who who is the lead. He is the Black Panther. King T'Challa. Uh, yes, and he said, I think one of the big accomplishments of, of the movie for black audiences is that it was able to deal with conversations that he described as in-house conversations, having to do with the, what would you call the African diaspora, and having to do with the unique experience as an African-American thinking about one's heritage. And he said, this movie, and you said it earlier, without being like on the nose or hitting you over the head or being preachy, was able to give that perspective in a way. Yeah. Um, and I almost, I'm not qualified really to speak on it. I haven't thought about those issues deeply, but I thought the, I'll put it this way. I, it's, I can't remember the last time I was in a movie theater where the audience applauded at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And we were one of the few white people there. I'll put it that way too. Yeah. And that's not like white people didn't want to go see this movie. It's more that people were very enthusiastic and rightfully so to go see this and more to the point there was actually a line at the end with killmonger mm. where he said something i don't want to i mean give it away I, yeah. well I, I, I really want to say it because it was so powerful but one person clapped at that and i like i i thought about the way he said it and i was like man i i could kind of understand where he was coming from yeah for sure it's uh well i'll put it this way some things are worse than death and he was struggling with that thought that there are some things that are worse than death, some things in life and certain lives you could live that would be worse than death. And certain lives that have been lived and are being lived today. Mm. So, yeah, I think this movie struck a note on a lot of very what are usually either you know soft tones. You only talk about it when you're inside in your own home and issues that if you try to talk about it publicly or at least showcase the subject publicly, it's going to get heated. I thought they did a fantastic job with that movie of making it part of a character's personality and his own arc mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I'm going to put my political speech in the mouth of one of these fictional characters. I didn't get any of that from the movie. Right. Which I welcome. It's wonderful. Uh, looks like we have people calling us. Was it something I said? It might have been something I said. Oh, boy. Well, let's see. 272-9228, if you want to join the conversation. Let's go to the phones. News Talk, you're on there. Who's this? This is William. Hey, William, what's up, man? I just have one question. I, I went to see the movie. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. Um, I just have a question for both of you. Mm. Did you cry? And you know the scene I'm talking about. I almost did. I felt the the little choke in the back of the throat, and my eyes were welling up. And I was like, "Don't do it, Joey. You'll break down completely." <laughs> Man, I... there were there were people that were not holding it back at all. Uh, I went Saturday to the four o'clock, um, and I mean, there, which was really cool. I, I thought it was really neat. There were people um, in the audience that were. Wearing the same kind of like the face paint makeup, hmm. um, it was really really neat. There were some people that really got into it, um, but it was a it was a fantastic movie. Uh, I myself actually did get a little choked up in that one scene, but um, yeah, I knew <laughs> I knew there was going to be a change coming. So I I cried once, really, and that was 
during the Avengers Infinity War trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got emotional over that, but I didn't get emotional in the movie. But for some reason, that trailer, I just I don't know. Yeah, this it was powerful. it was inter- it was interesting though because I remember going to see uh, Guardians two, and there's that one scene right there towards the end where you know. There were a few people that I could see tearing up, but nobody was just flat out just boohooing in the in the theater. So, but anyway, well, great show. Good oh, to talk to you guys. Appreciate Thanks, it, William. William. And it is amazing, you know. Superhero movies for the longest time get this. It's a superhero movie. It's a kids thing. Right. The last few Marvel movies, in particular, I've been to have made me. I haven't outright cried, but it really pulled at my heartstrings. Oh, when we were watching Guardians 2, I I kept looking over at you because there were parts where I was like, oh, this has got to be ripping him apart. Yeah, it was a bit. um, Because it deals with the loss of a parent and what it means to be a parent and to have a home and have extended family. And and it's, uh, but outside of the MCU, you see movies like Logan. Like the superhero movie has just become sort of the vehicle to tell classic stories again. It almost gives us a frame of reference that you have these people with superhuman abilities. That that's the hook. Yeah, we're gonna have fun. Watch a superhero movie with action, and now people are telling these remarkable stories through this medium. That um, well, there's stories that need to be told. I th- I'm pretty sure Campbell would look at superheroes and be like, "Hmm, told you so." Oh yeah, I'm. A lot of these movies can they've informed my life in very small ways. But if I were a child watching them, like I was when I watched Star Wars, I mean, huge influence on my life. Well, I got this from it was an interview Jordan Peterson did, and I can't do it as eloquent as uh, eloquently as he did. Case in but point. He yes, just apparent on the face of it, just how I'm speaking. But he pointed out the Marvel movies. He said, why are they so powerful? Because they hit all the archetypes. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what it's done to society, the amount of money that has gone into this project over a decade to create one holistic movie universe, the amount of money, the amount of talent, the amount of technology that wasn't just invested, but technology that was created in the midst of doing this project. And it plays right into what a lot of Joseph Campbell talked about and what Peterson likes to talk about is that if you strive for the highest possible, whatever your goal is, in this case, it's we want to create a movie universe that is going to be told, a story told over 10-something years with each character's uh, personality and story being told in the, with each chapter, that when you shoot for something that ambitious, what happens is the best is brought out in you. Or you might fail utterly, like in the case of DC. I said it. You're right. No, you're right. They've failed. They've failed, but I like those movies. Yeah, I don't mind those movies. I thought Justice League was fun. Yeah. Wasn't incredible. Batman vs. Superman, though. So many people hated that movie. Maybe it's just because I kind of like Rand, but there's a lot of Iron Rand in that movie. I like the, whatever, the extended cut. Yeah, that was much better than the theater version. I went back and watched the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman and going, what is this piece of crap? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They cut so much that a lot of context is taken away, and so you're in one place and they're in the other, and there's no the rhyme or reason super for weird. Yeah, didn't make any sense. But, yeah, when essentially these characters are dealing with all sorts of old moral questions, 
these superheroes. And old moral questions, but also new questions in the face of how our current society is handling things. Hmm. Yes. Like you get it in Black Panther. You get it in the Captain America movies, at least. Especially what with like um, the big government and the sort of oppressive surveillance. Well, the government that you have devoted your life to is now one of the bad guys, or at least people within it are. That's another aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, and it's because of the surveillance, and are we really putting a gun to everybody's head and calling that freedom? I think that's an actual line from Winter Soldier. Uh, it might be Civil War. Yeah, Either gotcha. way. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, I step back and I, again, think, oh, superhero movies, kid stuff. Not anymore. Nope. And uh, it makes me want to go back and read some of the comics. And that's the other cool part. These movies aren't coming out of nowhere. Like, you have this half a century long tradition of comic books and stories told about these characters. Um, that it's almost like with if you're going to write something about Iron Man or Black Panther, that if you just made up whatever you wanted say, for your Black Panther movie, there's going to be thousands and thousands of people who go, hey, We've been writing stories about this character for 50 years. How dare you make up your own thing? There's, it's almost like basic rules built in. Speaking of that, there was this uh, sort of a popular, not a meme, but it was a popular post on Twitter about how um, Jack Kirby, he created Black Panther. Yeah. Um, about how when he created Black Panther, the editors came to him and said, you need to put more white people in Black Panther. And so the next issue, he had Black Panther take down the KKK. <laughs> that was a super popular post. Yeah. None of it was true. Oh. Huh. None of it was true. Black Panther has fought the KKK. Right, I've seen that. But Jack Kirby was his own editor of Black Panther when he was writing it. Not to mention, he took over for the group of guys that actually created him. So, I mean, as, as feel-good as that idea is... It's factually incorrect. Well, and it's amazing how uh, life imitates art. If you do create something powerful enough, whether it's Superman or Batman or Iron Man or Black Panther, whatever, you create a compelling character or storyline like Star Wars, mm -hmm. you get all these people wanting to not only create their own fan fiction out of those characters, just using that those characters and stories as templates, and then you tell your own story, but you also get people inspired to do their own thing in real life even to when it's like a noble lie like some i suppose racist or whatever person wanted more white people in black panther and and we're talking the 60s here and it's this feel-good story of kirby stood up to him late 70s late 70s is when this came out yeah okay i thought it was 60s I mean, the Black Panther movement. Oh, yeah. But this is the comic book character. Okay, okay. That, that whole, the crux of that whole Jack Kirby's editors telling him to put more white people in was around 70-something. But it just wasn't true. No. But it's a noble lie. It's trying to get across, look at Kirby standing up against Pig the man. Piggybacking off the hype of yeah. the movie itself with fun factoid that will make you even, that will make you feel even better about it. Right. You know? I just love that it's it's myth-making in our midst. Yeah, that's what's really cool. I will warn you, though, not about myth-making or anything, but if, if it makes you interested to go back and read the comics, this is something I learned with the extended universe of Star Wars. Buyer beware. 
<laughs> there's some awful stuff out there. I just mean horrible writing. Right. And I'm sure when uh, you know people were putting together the Bible, they're like, "We're not putting that in." Yeah, that is terrible fan fiction about Jesus. <laughs> and then later, Dan Brown wrote a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me, as always, on Mondays, Troy. You want to join on the conversation? Two seven two nine two two eight. And yeah, I actually did pick this up on vinyl this weekend. The Jackson 5, Destiny. And this is the first song on it. Blame it on the boogie. I just can't, I just can't, I just can't control my feet. I just can't, Joey Clark. I just can't, I just can't control my feet. Sunshine, I don't blame it on the moonlight. I don't blame it on the good times. I blame it on the boogie. I don't blame it on the sunshine. I don't blame it on the moonlight. I don't on the good times. Welcome back to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. When I just come out of a break like that, it means we have a song we want to play for you, but we're about to, you know, give you a little lead-in, say how this song was discovered, at least in our own lives. But off-air, Troy and I were discussing, so I don't think we're very woke. No. No, no. I I mean, I wake up every morning. Well, I, right, we, we sleep and we rise. I'm awake right now. I grumble. I'm awake but I'm not woke. Right. So you don't consider yourself woke either? No. No. Okay. No, I... But... You, you sure you're just not, you know, being humble? I, I do like that song. Humble by Kendrick Lamar. No, that's not a bad song. But, but I, I... I don't even... I don't know what woke means. I don't either. So... It's socially conscious... In a way, I'm I'm socially conscious. I mean, I'm not going to go about... But are you hip to the latest social justice trends? No. And mm. I, I... Well, I, I guess I'm really not woke then. No, I'm not Because I, I despise their tactics. Ah! Like noble lies. Like noble lies. Yeah. Make stuff up, even though it's for a good cause. Mm-hmm. Ends up hurting your cause, number one. Mm-hmm. And it just makes people angry. Mm-hmm. That you're using people who are actual victims. <sighs> I think we should do a show on pet peeves one day, too. A show on pet peeves? Mm-hmm. What grinds our gears, respectively? Yeah. Okay. I like your shirt, by the way. Thank you. It's a, for folks who can't see it, it's a white button-up shirt, short sleeves, but it's like... It's got a print on it of... Little marlins? Sailfish. Sailfish. Yeah. Well. Which I, 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 they might be marlins, I'm not sure. Okay, well... On that note, let's turn to this song. We're going to play these folks. Because you sent me a text message last week saying, check out this band. Mm-hmm. How did you discover this band? <laughs> it's not cool. It's not, well. I checked out the top charts of iTunes rock genre, and it was there. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Greta Van Fleet, are, there's, are these chicks rocking or something? I actually... Turns out there's no chicks in the band. Really? No. But my goodness gracious sounds just like the lead singer sounds just like robert plant yes um again it's greta van fleet the song we're going to play is safari song before we do though i was being like that two nights ago i went on i used title streaming mm-hmm. so i went on the title and went like what's on the top 40 pop music what's on the top 40 hip-hop tell me title i want to be cool like kids today 
Like, why is it number one that the top forty is always defined by kids? They have the energy, or just that, or the time to break it apart and listen to it. Yeah, maybe. I know they don't talk like that, though. Don't please don't talk like that. Oh no, I was I was talking like that because I'm very out of touch. Oh my goodness. Anyway, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Safari song by Greta Van Fleet. It's what all the kids are listening to these days. Like Robert Plant's reincarnated, but Robert Plant's not actually dead. play the whole song, especially because it's new. I don't get hit, you know, copyrights and everything, but wow. It's really good. That is, I never thought I would hear rock and roll, new rock and roll like that again. Like, I was certain I'd hear a Zeppelin cover band or a Heart cover band, but that is like bare bones, late 60s, early 70s, classic rock. Mm-hmm. Like, turn it up. That Okay, that's one show about pet peeves rock and roll is not meant to be listened to solely maybe if you have to for convenience or you're walking somewhere it's not meant to be listened to on earbuds or headphones not in my opinion quietly anyway yeah no rock and roll is meant to be turned up yeah and so i hear these folks you know they've got on some rock station or they've got on a great like Doobie Brothers album they used to play, man. China Grove, man. Yeah, but you're playing like China Grove at this decibel level. That's a a bat's even going. Hey, turn it up. Mm-hmm. Like dogs are saying that you are listening to it softly. That is not how rock and roll is meant to be played. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. In fact, you know who taught me that? You. <laughs> I do like to listen to my music pretty loud. No, and th- there's a memory I have. I don't know if you were peeling out of the school parking lot. I don't know if you were at all. But I'm going to pull it up here. Because just to make my point. Foreigner? Was it Foreigner? It was Foreigner. Yeah. It was, uh, it was Foreigner. And Troy was leaving, I think, the high school parking lot. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be cool. And he wanted to be cool in your Apple Candy Red... Volkswagen Jetta. Your Volkswagen Jetta. And you had it low. See, this is my pet peeve loudness. It's like, it's not building any tension. I'm easily able to talk over it. People aren't even like, oh. But you had your moonroof back. Mm-hmm. This hit, and you peeled out.
Yes. In, in that moment, I realized rock and roll must be played like that. Yes. Don't play your China Grove or War Pigs at a you know a sensible you know level. Blow out it, the blow out the speakers. Turn it up to eleven. Blow out the speakers. Throw out your eardrums and rock your head out. Mm-hmm. Like escape it, from the moment of reality. To the tune of whatever it is you're listening to. Well, and I never thought I would hear new rock and roll like that. I would hear stuff that's derivative of like Alice in Chains and Grunge yeah. Spirit. A lot of rock. I mean, and I know people that love that stuff. I'm not putting y'all down, but I can't get into the rock and roll that's like really, like just it sounds sad. It sounds foreboding. Like a uh, Nickelback or Tool. Yeah, that's one, too. No, it's like I've been in my own thoughts stewing away in my misery for too long. Mm-hmm. And that's good music. People need to hear that music at times. It's not for me. That's I want rock and roll me. to be yeah. like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. 70s, baby. Late 60s. Maybe I'll go back to Elvis shaking his hips in the 50s. But no, I want good rock and roll played loudly. Mm-hmm. That makes people think of doing naughty things. That's what I want in my rock and roll. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I ask a lot more of my rock and roll. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You wanted to take you on journeys of the mind. Either journeys of the mind or ways to not think about being me for a moment. Oh, escape, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it doesn't take a whole lot to do it. Well, and I went on that whole rant, but I do love some Rush. Rush doesn't exactly make me think of the bedroom or doing drugs. No, that yeah, that's more like a... A book near a fire, a right. fantasy novel, <laughs> right? Like twenty one twelve is straight a mix of all sorts of sci fi and Ayn Rand's anthem. I do love a good concept album. Yes, yes, one hundred ten percent. Give me a good concept album all day. It's just don't tell me to turn down my rock and roll. That's not what it's meant for. I'm not going to listen to my rock quietly, mother. No, I want to rock. My mom would never tell me to turn my rock down. Because your mom's awesome. And she's a rocker. Yeah. Def Leppard. That's what she used to sing to me when I was a tiny baby. Which one? Def Leppard. Which song? A lot of them. Photograph? No, 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 no. Uh, Gosh, I'm trying to think. Joey, I can't remember back when I was an infant and she was singing to me. But you do remember. Yeah, well... It's like vague images and sounds. It's not like discernible and I, people. And I didn't know it was Def Leppard until she told me later it was oh, Def Leppard, okay. for sure. Yeah. Pour some sugar on me. Ooh, in the name of love. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's good stuff. So, yeah, Greta Van Fleet. Check them out, folks. Mm-hmm. We discovered them by looking at the top 40 charts. <laughs> Now let's go back to the phones, 272-9228. Who's this? You're on the air. Hi, it's Debbie. Oh, hello, Debbie. Well, you know, you're talking up my alley here because I was raised in the 70s, and mm. that music is home for me, hon. So, yes, I love it. But you know what was funny? Mm. When my sons were growing up, they were teenagers. One of their friends hops into my vehicle and says, Mom, because everybody called me Mom, Mom. I have just gotten some really good music. This new band come out, and I got a great CD here. I want you to play. And he hands it to me, and guess what it was? Hmm. The Eagles. 
Wait, like Hotel California or something? Uh, No, I think it was one of the earlier albums. But it was so funny because he thought this was brand new. You know, this is a new group. He's all turned on by it. He's thinking it's the greatest thing he heard, you know. And he's telling me all about it. And when he pulled it out and had me put it in, I was like wanting to laugh my, my head off. I said, honey, this is not new. This goes back to when I was a kid your age here now. And, no, I said, oh, yeah. And so not long ago, my grandson now uh, was playing some tunes. It was a remix, but it was some of the old music from when I was growing up. And I told him, I said, you do realize that that was one of the songs I used to listen to. And, no, I said, yeah, it's a remix. And now he's paying attention. And he goes back to the original. He says, the remix isn't, isn't as good. I said, I know. Right. <laughs> so he's starting to get into the old stuff because he's realizing that the people that are doing it today just aren't doing and They're not as good. You can't hardly redo some of those songs. True, but tell him to check out Greta Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. That's right, the song I'll we came it. in with. It is so... It sounded good. Yeah, yeah. they're awesome. They are yeah, awesome. it sounded a lot like what I, I was uh, raised on, so it's definitely up my alley. But I'm so shocked that it's timeless. It seems like that you know that time of, of um, my life, those music, that music has just never gotten old, and mm. it keeps coming back. And I'll listen to the radio, and I'll hear it again, and I'm thinking, people just love this stuff, obviously, or would have already died. Exactly. Well, and Debbie, thank you so much for the call. And it made me think of something, her call. Like, my dad introduced me to like Steely Dan. He listened to a lot of Steely Dan. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Listen to that because... Though I thought you said you were done with Tom Petty. Done with Tom Petty. You're done with Tom Petty. Yeah. We mentioned this in a past show. We never really returned to it. Did Petty do something to you? Or it was just so good one time? No, I just... I got tired of it. Just like, for example, my dad can never listen to Hey Jude again because when he was a teenager and that song got really popular they played that supposedly and I'm I'm inclined to believe him on this they played Hey Jude like every two songs on the radio Ooh. so he's just he's just sick of it and he never wants to listen to it again kind of like that with Tom Petty and it's not because I've listened to it too much I'm just Tom I'm done buddy see it's really just the things on heavy rotation like free falling, done with free falling. I like free falling. You like free falling? Yeah, but I'm done with it. You're okay. Um, like I won't back down. That's an excellent song. But you're and sometimes that really hits the spot. Yeah. But if I, if it hits that spot, I I'm I go back to being done with it for like oh you're five years. Okay. Um, what about I need to know? You know that one. I don't need to know, Joey. No, I think you do need to know. I don't need to know. No, I think you you do. I'm I'm sure I recognize it. Are you sure? Because it's a great rockin' Tom Petty song, and that's what catches people off guard about Petty. He's saying "Free Fall," and yeah, he did "American Girl," which is a great little tune. Even like uh, uh, "Don't Do Me Like That," mm-hmm. "Don't Do Me Like That." That's a great song too. That sounds like something Jonathan would blare. Yes. But this is I Need to Know. And though you say you're done with Petty, just listen to the opening riff. Driving beat. I know this song. Yeah. And you're... I'm done with it. You're done with it? Uh-huh. <sighs> now, on that, on that previous call, that lady mentioned the Eagles album. 
Mm-hmm. What would be most disappointing if you have a kid and he's like, Dad, you got to listen to this? Oh, the most disappointing, like... I'm talking like if he just pops up, he's like, this is the best thing ever, and it's like the police. <laughs> See, there are some people that love the police. I know. I like the police, you too. Do? But of all the classic rock. Yeah. You know, yeah. no one's... If he comes in and he's like, have you ever heard of the Scorpions, Dad? <laughs> and he plays like, rock you like a hurricane? I'm going to be like, yes. He's all right. Yeah. The you kid's get it. all right. Yeah. But he comes in, he's like, Simon Garfunkel. They are so heavy. I'll be like, well, you got a lot to learn. Yeah. Um... I think if my kid comes in with like air supply, <laughs> I might disown them. Okay. Like that scene in John Adams where he finds the drunk son, some slum in New York. I disown you. No air supply in this home. Or like Lady Gaga. Like, I'd be cool with Lady Gaga. I don't she's mind really, Gaga. She's really talented. Yeah, she's really talented. Even, even if it were Backstreet Boys or something, I'd be like, that's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Not 98 degrees. No. no. Get out of here with that. What, where did you find... O-Town? Where'd you find O-Town? Yeah, or if he's like jamming and blaring Despacito, oh. I'll be like, nope. What's wrong with you, son? Yeah. Your mother must have hooked up with the milkman. Let's go back to the phones. Two seven two nine two two eight. Who's talking? Hey. Hello? Hello? Yes, who's this? Uh, my name is Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hi, darling. Listen, help me with a song. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll, hoochie-coo. Is that Rick Derringer? Come on. Come yeah. on, baby, love my feet. I think so. What, what was that? Who, who did that? Rick Derringer, I believe. Oh. Do you think you could put some on there? Put on, put the song on? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how much access you have to uh, uh, music or whatever. Wait, are you sure? Are you talking about this song? That one? Ow. Well, now hang up the phone and enjoy it for a second, Lisa. So, so you're you're not done with this. No, this is um, this is play this at Red Rocks. Yeah, this is a Red Rocks song. Okay. Yeah. It would be so fun to be the drummer on this song. It would be not too taxing. You got just enough space of silence in between the percussion. Oh yeah. So you're you're not done with uh, Derringer there. He, that's the only Rick Teacher song I've ever heard. Likewise, yeah, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm lately I've been in some Billy Squire. Okay, like when a really good Billy Squire song comes on, you don't put it on yourself, but like the beginning of "Lonely Is the Night" comes on. Oh yeah, oh, "Lonely Is the Night." No, oh, it's so good. Yeah, I really I, I like that because there's no there's some songs that if sung well enough vocally. And there's no instrumentation behind it, but it leads into the instrumentation. Really gets me, mm. gets me hyped. You like a good saucy acapella? Well, I don't know about saucy. Oh, you don't like it when it's too saucy? I like, I like some sauce on it. But what about like, uh, what is it? Uh, Edit James, right? Oh, 
sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking oh. about with Saucy. Mm-hmm. I get a feeling like I never, ever, ever knew before. Singing it much better than get I am. Get a good feeling. Oh. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great one. Now, I'm wondering also, and this is like my instant testosterone hit. It's not Metallica, the Black Album. Talk about, I'm done with that. Right. So you get it. No, I'm done with it. It's a great, historic, iconic even. You get it. At the height of their powers. You get it. Yeah. But our coach, Trokey, football coach, before every game. Ruined it for you. In the locker room, he was trying Mm -hmm. to pump us up and went, sad but true. Thunderstruck by ACDC. Soccer. Same thing. Okay, but what about this ACDC song? Done with this? You done with this? Or are you ready to sing along? Oi! 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 Yeah. Oi! Yeah. Angus and his power chords. Oh. It's so good. It's so good. Maybe I'm weird, but I like ACDC after Bon Scott. Me too. I think they're better overall. Mm -hmm. But you don't get that. That's him. That's Bon. And he did some damn good ones. Mm-hmm. The Dirty Deeds, Spawn. Mm-hmm. Didn't he do uh, For Those About to Rock? And Let There Be Rock? Yeah, I want to say so. Yeah, he did a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of really, really good ones. So you're not done with that. Thank God. Just Thunderstruck. It Just was thunderstruck. played before every warm-up of yeah. every home game. Oh, and then the one Catholic really ruined for us. Because somebody from 1980, no, who knows what the F it was, uh, every time a sports team came out on the Catholic field, I'm not even going to play the song. I'm that done with this song. Highway to the danger zone. Every freaking sporting event at Catholic High. That song, that song has special meaning to me, though. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not done with it, then? I mean, I don't listen to it. Okay, you are done with it. Right, but okay. it's got special meaning to me. My mom... Had the Top Gun soundtrack on cassette. Mm. And we used to play that in her car. To and from soccer practice and stuff. She was a rocker. Dude, I'm telling you. She is a rocker. My parents, for a while, listened to heavier music than me. Mm. We were talking about it earlier that you didn't like, like Tool and like some European metal stuff. I wasn't into that. I was sort of getting into like dance music and stuff. They were they were hardcore with it. Now I think I think they've mellowed out a little bit. I like when you you kids were back listening to deathcore. Yeah, <laughs> now like, you're you're a bunch of wimps in our society. Yeah, bunch so I, I was never. My parents are much more hardcore with their music <laughs> taste for me, but I thank them for it because it has given me an appreciation of rock. Yes, yes. Well, let's go back to the phones. Two seven two nine two two eight. Limited on time. Who's this? You're on the air. Hey, Joey. This is Ritz. Ritz, uh, how's it going? All right, buddy. How you doing? Enjoy your show. Thanks. Um, you know, uh, Rick Derringer there, he had a uh, an album out years ago and it had a song called Envy on it. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but you're talking about a bad intro building up to the song. I mean, it was uh, awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Rick Derringer Envy? Envy. Envy, yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. All right, buddy. Thank you, Rick. And we're almost out of time, folks. Who's this? You're on there. Hello? Hey, Joey. If anybody told you you're doing a great job today. You just did, Marianne, and literally I have like 
15 seconds. I know seconds. that, but can I have one second here because of Prince? Very quick. I love it when you play Raspberry Beret. Oh. And Troy, I don't. I know you don't know me, but Joey might know me because I'm Mike's mom. And I, if Whoa. you go out with that one, I would appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll try. And, play, but... and get it into the first lyric of working for Mr. M- Working part time for Mr. McGee. I'm gonna have to okay. do it another show, Maryam. Don't hate me because I'm really out of time, and we're gonna go out with Greta Van Fleet. This is Safari Song. Old school rock is back, so don't put it on your earbuds or low on your car. Turn it off.